0: But the reading is in two parts Acts 1, verses 4 to 8, Acts 2, 1 to 4. On one occasion, while he, Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? when the day of Pentecost came they were all together in one place suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled
1: them. Thank you, Martin. Good morning. so nice to see you welcome if you're online um from me as well i'm katie if you don't know me i'm curate here um, let me just pray as we begin god we thank you for your precious word and we thank you for that beautiful time of worship when you were so moving among us would you stir up our hearts now to listen to your voice as we hear your word amen Well, I am so excited to be teaching on Pentecost Sunday. I've been excited all week. Um, because today we remember um, when the Holy Spirit was poured out as a gift on the church, and we remember that this same Holy Spirit is the gift to the church today. And we had two short readings this morning from the start of the book of Acts, and the disciples at this point had been following Jesus, um, the best teacher the world has ever known since the beginning of his ministry. They'd been following him all this time, and you'd kind of think by now that the point of their discipleship was that they would learn so much from Jesus that by the time he ascended, they'd be ready to do it alone, right? Like surely maturity um, and growing in their faith would mean that they're ready to become independent, to go off and be Jesus' witnesses, because that's what we think maturity is, isn't it? It's growing in independence and strength. We're children and we depend on our parents, you know. We can't really live without our parents to begin with. And two beautiful babies at the back. <laughs> and then, um, Or is it just one? You've got one. Um, and then eventually we, <laughs> eventually we grow and we become more and more independent, don't we? We leave home. But what we find at the beginning of Acts is exactly the opposite. Because what maturity looks like in the Christian faith is when we know our need of God, when we know our absolute dependence on God, when we ask for more of him, we depend on him for every moment and every movement of the whole of our lives, when we rely on the Holy Spirit. And I love um, Simon Ponsonby puts it like this. He says, when we ask for more of the Holy Spirit, we don't undermine the power of the cross but we mine of all its riches. We cannot do this alone. And so here at the beginning of Acts, the resurrected Jesus appears to them and he gives them this command. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, don't you dare go out and start witnessing. Go and wait in Jerusalem. And then he says, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Now, often when I've heard people preaching on this passage, they often merge the two things together, the power and the witness. So you've got power so that you can be witnesses. And that's not completely untrue. The two are definitely related. But what the kind of grammar and the sentence structure suggests is that the the spirit is poured out on believers so that they receive power and they become Christ's witnesses. So that's what i want us to think about this morning firstly what does it mean to rely on the power of the holy spirit and therefore what does it mean to be christ's witnesses so firstly what does it mean to rely on the power of the holy spirit the word for power in the in the text you probably uh, recognize this word it's dunamis um, it's the, probably where we get our word dynamite it's the power that affects change. Every time we see this word dunamis in scripture, it relates to the power of God manifesting in signs and wonders and in the kingdom of heaven breaking in. It's the power of God made manifest on the earth through the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 1:3 says that God upholds the universe by the word of his power. Um, Matthew and Acts both say that Christ performed miracles in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is this power, says Paul, that raised Christ from the dead. And Ephesians says it is this same power that lives in us. And the key to all of this is that it is the power of God. It's not our power. It's not our strength. It's not our might. Um, You probably all know this now, but from the ages of 0 to 10, I grew up on a farm. Um, And this is another one of my stories of the farm. Um, And what we would do each summer when we would make hay, and it was my favorite part of farming. Um, If you don't know how to make hay, it's quite a long-winded process. Firstly, you have to wait for good weather that lasts several days. And we all know that in the UK, that is very unpredictable. So you have to kind of predict the weather. That's the first hurdle. And then when you've got this good season of weather, you cut the grass. And then the next day you need to kind of, you get what is called a woofler on the back of the tractor and it woofles, it fluffs up the, the grass and it dries out and it aerates. And you do that a few times until there's no moisture left in the, in the grass. And then finally, you need to gather up the, you need to bale the hay and then gather up the hay. And the gathering up of the hay is what I used to get join in with as a child. Um, So what would happen is someone would be driving the tractor, not me as a child, but um, I did learn that, yeah, anyway, um, and then then, um, maybe my brother would be on the trailer kind of stacking the hay bales, someone would be walking alongside the tractor, throwing the bales up onto the trailer, and then someone else, maybe a few people, would be gathered around the uh, field stacking all the scattered hay bales into bigger piles so the tractor didn't have to go too far. My job was to go to the very edges, where probably the bales were a bit useless anyway, they're still a bit damp, probably. And my job was to roll them one by one towards one of the big piles. And I was only small, and it took me absolutely ages. It was exhausting. But by the end of the day, we'd get to the barn and it would be filled with hay, ready for winter. And little me would go, wow, I did that. (laughs) It's amazing, aren't I amazing? We did this, yeah, we did this together, but I, I took part. And the fact is, it wasn't by my might, not by my strength, but by the power of my brothers (laughs) and my dad. Throughout the whole Bible, God constantly reminds his people. He continually had to remind particularly his leaders and his kings who thought they were so powerful. He says, uh, it's not by your strength. It's not by your might. You can do nothing without me. You cannot witness to me. You cannot be a light to the Gentiles, to the nations without me. So, for example, Zechariah, remember the the Jews have been scattered in exile for ages, and then King Cyrus says, okay, go back to Jerusalem um, and start to rebuild the temple. So they have this great plan to rebuild the temple. And then God comes to Zechariah in a dream, and he says, you need to tell them. He says, it's not by your might, your strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Because what is being built is a spiritual kingdom, it's his kingdom, not ours. And in fact, if we look at the people God chooses to be his witnesses, it's always the weak ones, right? It's always the weakest and the smallest, the ones you just would go nowhere near. It's me. (laughs) If you are struggling this morning with mental health, with physical health, with a lack of confidence, with insecurities, can I tell you this morning, you are perfectly positioned for God to use you because you know all the more your need of God, right? I had a friend at a theological college, and she had really serious OCD. It wasn't just the very kind of need to be very clean and orderly and tidy. It really affected the whole of her life. And Oxford probably wasn't the best place for her to be because she was really crippled by the pressure of perfectionism. And she told me that she hated going to chapel every day because she said, I sit in the pew and every morning someone tells me, I need to do better. I need to be a better Christian. I need to be more morally capable and better. I need to do good. I need to go and be a better witness. I need to tell lots of people about Jesus. And in the end, she just couldn't cope and she stopped going. And now what I want to tell you this morning is do less. Do less by your own effort and your own strength, we need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit who is in you. The book of Acts, uh, we know by some is called the Acts of the Apostles, but better, it's it's a better name is the Acts of the Holy Spirit, right? And then one of the things I did to prepare for this week, um, in my excitement, I was like, oh, just read the whole book of Acts. Um, And I'm going to highlight everywhere I see the Holy Spirit at work. And I very soon realized that was a completely pointless exercise because I was highlighting every single thing <laughs> if you took the Holy Spirit out of the book of Acts 95% maybe more of that whole book would disappear right and one uh, um, theologians made the challenge if you took the Holy Spirit out of the modern church would 95% disappear And what a challenge to the church in the West, what a challenge to us in Bath with the kind of strength of education, the strength of finance. One church historian said that in the first three centuries, Christian missionaries were of spiritual but not great intellectual power. He said it was them that enabled the gospel to take hold of the Roman Empire. He said it was not simply the truth of the gospel, but it was the power that accompanied the presentation of the gospel that caused the Roman Empire to fall to its knees. And in fact, we see that in the beginning of Acts that everyone's really confused, aren't they? they kind of, they've known these disciples who've betrayed Jesus. They're weak. They've gone into hiding. They're in fear of their lives. And all of a sudden, they reappear, and they're doing miraculous things. And the crowds are like, they're bewildered. They say, aren't these the Galileans? They must be drunk. <laughs> and Peter says, no, Acts 2.16. He says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on these days. We're not going to persuade a post-truth generation of the power of the gospel without the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, Another historian was speaking about the conversion of England to Christianity, and he said, as a historian, I have to tell you that the great turning to Christ of the Celts was on the basis of seeing demonstrations of power, and in particular, healings and miracles. He said, as a historian, I have to report this. As an atheist, I really struggle to understand it. I love that. (laughs) Um, John Wimber was the founder of the Vineyard Church, who many of you know, amazing church about 2,500 across the world, Um, and they are marked by uh, intimacy and worship and acts of service and um, signs and wonders. And John Wimber recounted that in the early days of kind of beginning of this ministry, he really clearly heard God say, I've seen your ministry, do you want to see my ministry? and that kind of began the reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit. When we relinquish control over to God, when we learn to rely on his power, we become like children relying on him. And then he says, you will be my witnesses. And so finally, what does it mean to be his witnesses? Well, notice Jesus doesn't say, you will go and do witnessing. He says, you will be my witnesses. And to be his witnesses, we need to be transformed by him. We need to be guided by him. And I think Paul is probably one of the best examples, isn't he? Of someone who is utterly transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like he began life as a hater of Christians, a killer of Christians. And then he's completely transformed to become one of of the most radical witnesses the world has ever known. And I love it. Like Jesus chose him. If I was Jesus, I would not choose Paul. I would choose someone who I'd really like got to trust and disciple, and I'd maybe taught them lots and lots of things. I would not choose Paul. So why does he choose Paul? It's because it's not Paul's power, not Paul's strength, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit in him. And you know, Paul is often painted as this really like strong, really like confident bloke. (laughs) who's like doing great things. But he had weaknesses. I mean, besides the fact that he was a murderer, like, he, um, he had ailments, he had a thorn in the flesh, he had insecurities, he struggled with his limitations. He needed encouragement. But he knew the transforming power of the Spirit of Christ. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider them loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever I relied on before, Whatever my reputation was before, it's nothing. I want Christ. And then he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Something um, I noticed as I read the book of Acts was that they did nothing without first being told what to do by the Holy Spirit. Um, So Paul, right at the beginning of his conversion, is told by the Holy Spirit where to go. And have you noticed, like, everyone's telling him, don't, whatever you do, go to Jerusalem. Because we believe that you're going to get bound, you're going to get sent to the the Romans, and, you know, who knows what will happen to you, do not go to Jerusalem. And then Paul goes anyway. And for ages I was like, why? Why didn't you listen? Like, clearly they knew that you were going to get, like, beaten up and thrown into prison. Why did he go? And it's because he was listening to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit already told him right at the start of his ministry, I will show you how much you're going to suffer. He already knows. And then he says, Acts 20, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. So he goes anyway. And then he is captured. And Acts 23 says this. It's so beautiful. It says, The Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. You have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify about me in Rome. So he's so transformed and he's so following the guidance of the Holy Spirit, even to places he doesn't want to go. And I think often we make it really complicated. Like following Jesus is really hard. Like it's really hard to hear what God wants us to do. I don't think it is. I think it's really simple. Um... It's just basically listening to the little prompts of the Holy Spirit. And the more you do this, the more you hear his voice. The more you begin to discern when God is speaking. My sheep, hear my voice. You can hear when God is prompting you. And often for me, it's like I'm out and about. And I've already prayed the prayer. Here I am, Lord. Send me. I'll go. I'll be a fool for Christ. Whatever you want to do, I'm going to follow. And so the other week, um, I was just walking to Sainsbury's um, out and about in my normal life. Felt God's sake, go and speak to that lady. Now, humanly, I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I don't want to. But, you know, talk about the weather. It's a great opener, isn't it? It's lovely weather today. And then God opened up the way, and we started talking about spirituality and then her faith and then her understanding of Christianity. And then I was like, Do you want prayer? Yeah, I'd love prayer. Can you pray for this? Then we got into WhatsApp and we started WhatsApping. Like, that's it. I don't know what happened to her after that. Like, it's over to God. But I did my little bit, just my little obedience to that prompting go and speak to that lady. It's not a booming voice, it's a gentle whisper. Um, I love that, this is my last last story, (laughs) I love the um, story of Philip and the Ethiopian, it's so cool, because um, there are only two instructions, did you notice, the Holy Spirit gives him two little instructions, Phil's eating breakfast, having his cornflakes, and the Holy Spirit says, get on the road and go south, so Philip's like, okay, I'll go south, he finishes his breakfast, goes south, maybe he brings his coffee, and then um, he sees a chariot, And the Holy Spirit says, go and stand next to the chariot. Now, as far as we can tell, that's it. Now he's on his own. (laughs) He's not on his own. Holy Spirit's with him. But you get the point. It's these two little instructions. And then that leads to the spread of the gospel in Ethiopia, probably the birth of the church in the whole continent of Africa. Two little instructions, two little bits of obedience. It's me rolling the hay bales. (laughs) And then God does the rest, right? It's by his power. So finally, let's rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's allow ourselves to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, to listen to the guiding of the Holy Spirit. And then we will be his witnesses. Amen.